0: Today is April 12th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so glad that you are here with me on day number 102. We have crossed the 100-day mark. This is our year-long journey through the Bible where we are Immersing ourselves in the story of God and each day brings with it a unique experience. Some days we have fun with it. It's lighthearted and jovial. And then other days we're more serious and still other days are more contemplative and reflective. And what I'm discovering through consistent daily engagement. Talk about no days off, not a single one. It's that the Bible is a rich and multi-dimensional book with countless layers of meaning. I mean, I knew it was deep, but what I'm seeing and learning now is deeper than the deep I knew before. Oh, and that reminds me of that song that says, "Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before." So every day in the Word and with the Word is sweeter and deeper than the day before. I like that. Oh, I'm so grateful for this journey and, of course, for the opportunity to share it with all of you. So. We're picking back up where we left off yesterday in the Old Testament, back into the book of Joshua. And I feel a little tension building as we're about to encounter one of the most famous stories in the Bible. This is so exciting, but I'm not going to give you any spoiler alerts. Well, maybe just a little hint, just one word, Jericho. All right, y'all, let's get ready to march. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 through chapter 7, verse 15. The Voice. When the kings of the Amorites who lived in the hills west of the Jordan and the kings of the Canaanite cities on the plain by the sea heard how the Eternal had dried up the waters of the Jordan so the Israelites could cross, they were alarmed and their courage failed at the thought of the advancing Israelites. At that time the Eternal One commanded Joshua to make flint knives and reinstate the right of circumcision for male Israelites So Joshua made flint knives, as he was told to do, and the Israelite males were circumcised at Gibeoth Haraloth. This is because all of the male Israelites who had fled from Egypt and all their soldiers who had fought so bravely had been circumcised, but they had died on the long journey, and those who had been born during the journey had not yet been circumcised. Circumcision, the ritual removal of a male's foreskin, usually in infancy, is one of the ways God tells his people to distinguish themselves from those around them. This rite is carried out at this point in the story to reconfirm the Israelites' identity as God's people and to prepare them for the greatest celebration that marks them as God's people, the Passover, which commemorates God bringing them safely out of slavery in Egypt. The Israelites had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and because they would not listen to the voice of the Eternal, God promised that none of the original community would live to enter the land He promised to their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was their children and grandchildren whom He raised up to receive that land instead. Joshua circumcised those sons and grandsons now because it had not been done previously. When they all had been circumcised, they remained in their camp until their wounds were healed. It was here where they had piled up the stones that the Eternal spoke to Joshua. Eternal one, on this day I have rolled away from you the shame of Egypt, and the place is called Gilgal, which means circle of stones even today. While the Israelites were encamped at Gilgal on the desert plain east of Jericho, They celebrated their first Passover on the evening of the 14th of the month in the land the Lord had promised them. And the next day they ate some produce of the land, roasted grain, and flatbread. Beginning after that Passover, the Israelites were no longer fed with manna as they were in the desert. From the day they ate from the new land, the manna ceased. From then on, they ate only the crops of the land of Canaan. Now when Joshua was traveling near the city of Jericho, he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn and ready. Joshua stepping toward him, Are you one of us, or are you one of our enemies? The man, Neither, I am here now as commander of the Eternal's army. Joshua falling to the ground, What is your command for your servant, my lord? The man, Take off your sandals, for you are on holy ground. So Joshua did. The citizens of Jericho had barricaded themselves behind its high walls because of the Israelite forces. No one could get in or out. Eternal one to Joshua, I have given Jericho its king and all its soldiers into your hands. Every day for the next six days, you will march once around the city walls with all your fighting force. Seven priests will go in front of the covenant chest, each carrying a trumpet made from a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you will march around the city walls seven times, and the priests will blow their trumpets. When they play a long, final blast, then all the people will give a mighty shout, the city walls will collapse in front of you, and all the Israelites will charge in and take the city. So Joshua, the son of Nun, summoned the priests and instructed them, Joshua, take up the chest and have seven priests each carrying a ram's horn trumpet march in front of the covenant chest of the eternal then he gave orders to the people joshua march around the city with the fighting men marching ahead of the chest of the eternal so they all proceeded as joshua had commanded them the fighting men led the way the seven priests marched after them blowing their horns continually in front of the covenant chest of the eternal and the rear guard followed behind. Joshua gave the Israelites very strict instructions, don't yell or shout, don't let your voice be heard until the day I tell you, and then I want you to shout with all your might. So they circled the city once, carrying the covenant chest of the eternal, and that night they returned to their camp. The next morning, Joshua rose early. The priests carried the chest of the eternal and they all marched around the city in exactly the same order as they had the day before. The armed men, seven trumpeting priests, the chest of the Eternal, and the rear guard, all making one complete circuit around the city with its great walls. That night, they returned to their camp, and the next four days proceeded just like the first two. But on the seventh day, They rose with the sun, and the procession marched around the city walls seven times. That was the only day they made seven circuits around the city walls. After the seventh and final circuit, when the priests had raised a mighty noise on their trumpets, Joshua turned to the people. Joshua, shout, shout, for the Eternal One has given you the city. The city and all who are in it will be destroyed completely as an offering to him, except for the prostitute Rahab and those who are with her in her house. Her life will be spared as a reward for sheltering our two spies. Be sure to stay away from these things that he has devoted to complete destruction so that you won't be tempted to pick something up and carry it away. Anyone who disobeys God in this matter will bring destruction on all of us any silver or gold, any bronze or iron vessels should not be burned. Instead, they should be set aside for the eternal's treasury. Then the people shouted and the trumpets blasted. The noise of the voices and trumpets rose higher and higher and the thick walls of Jericho collapsed just as God had promised. When the wall fell before them, they rushed straight ahead and took the city, killing everyone, all the men and women and children, all the cattle and livestock with their swords. Joshua to the two spies, Go back to the house of the prostitute and bring her out with all of those who have hidden there, so that you can keep your word. So they set off through the destruction, found Rahab's house, and brought her and all she had, father and mother, brothers and sisters, and all her relatives, out of the fallen city to a place outside the camp of Israel. So Jericho was destroyed completely, burned to the ground, except for the precious metals and iron and bronze vessels that were put into the treasury of the Eternal's house. But Joshua spared the life of Rahab the prostitute, all her family, and all she had, because she was faithful to the spies he had sent. And she lived among the Israelites from that day on. When the city lay in smoke and ashes, Joshua pronounced a curse, joshua may the eternal curse anyone who ever rebuilds this city this jericho if he lays new foundations it will be over the grave of his firstborn if he raises new gates it will be to contain the corpse of his youngest the eternal one had helped joshua and his fame spread throughout the land the destruction of the city and the curse joshua pronounces are pretty harsh things Today, of course, there are rules of war and the international community would punish this kind of military action, but that wasn't the situation in Canaan. The Israelites are invaders in the land, badly outnumbered, and their victory and decisive actions send a message to all the other cities and towns. There's something different and very dangerous about these invaders. Moreover, it is essential to purify the land of polytheistic worship before Israel settles in the land with their worship of the Lord. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in one thing. They did not allow everything from Jericho to be destroyed as God had ordered. Ashan, the son of Carmi, grandson of Zabdi, and great-grandson of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, had carried some things away from Jericho, so the Eternal was angry at the Israelites. After Jericho fell, Joshua sent some men to A, a town near Bethaven and east of Bethel to spy out that region of the land. They returned to Joshua with a report. Spies, you don't need to send all the people since there are so few defenders in A. An army of two thousand to three thousand men should be plenty. So Joshua sent about three thousand soldiers to A but they were easily repulsed by the defenders who killed 36 of them and pursued them from the gate even to the descent toward Shebarim. When the Israelites heard their soldiers had been defeated, their courage melted away like water. Then Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their robes and fell to the dirt in front of the covenant chest of the Eternal, putting dust on their heads and remaining there until evening. Joshua... Why, Eternal One, our Lord, why have you brought us across the Jordan if only to let the Amorites destroy us? It would have been better for us to settle on the other side of the Jordan. Lord, how am I going to explain that our fighting men have had to run for their lives? The people of Canaan, all the inhabitants of this land, will hear that we have been defeated. They'll surround us and destroy us as a people forever. And then how will the world remember your great name? Eternal One, get up. What are you doing in the dirt? There's a simple explanation. Israel has sinned. They have lied and violated the covenant I gave them by stealing some of the property that should have been destroyed along with the rest of Jericho and by hiding it among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites can no longer resist their enemies. They run from their foes because they are under a curse and doomed to destruction. I will not be with you or fight for you unless these things devoted to destruction are truly destroyed. Get up and tell the people to purify themselves for tomorrow. Tell them that the Eternal One, the God of Israel, says, There are items among you that were supposed to be destroyed as I commanded, You will not be able to resist your enemies unless you remove the banned items from among you. Then in the morning the people will pass before you tribe by tribe, and by drawing lots you will know which tribe I pick. Then that tribe will come clan by clan, and the chosen clan will come family by family, until at last they come before you one by one, and I show you who is guilty. With the person selected by Lot, you will burn him and all his belongings, including his family and his livestock, with fire as a punishment for breaking the covenant with the Eternal and for bringing dishonor upon Israel. Luke chapter 15 Jesus became increasingly popular among notorious sinners, tax collectors and other social outcasts, Pharisees and religious scholars. This man welcomes immoral people and enjoys their company over a meal. Jesus with another parable. Wouldn't every single one of you, if you have 100 sheep and lose one, leave the 99 in their grazing lands and go out searching for the lost sheep until you find it? When you find the lost sheep, wouldn't you hoist it up on your shoulders feeling wonderful? And when you go home, wouldn't you call together your friends and neighbors? Wouldn't you say, Come over and celebrate with me because I found my lost sheep. This is how it is in heaven. They're happier over one sinner who changes his way of life than they are over 99 good and just people who don't need to change their ways of life. Or imagine a woman who has 10 silver coins. She loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the whole house, and search diligently until that coin is found? And when she finds it, doesn't she invite her friends and neighbors and say, Celebrate with me. I found that silver coin that I lost. Can't you understand? There is joy in the presence of all God's messengers over even one sinner who changes his way of life. Once there was this man who had two sons. One day, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, eventually I'm going to inherit my share of your estate. Rather than waiting until you die, I want you to give me my share now. And so the father liquidated assets and divided them. A few days passed and this younger son gathered all his wealth and set off on a journey to a distant land. Once there, he wasted everything he owned on wild living. He was broke, a terrible famine struck that land and he felt desperately hungry and in need. He got a job with one of the locals who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man felt so miserably hungry that he wished he could eat the slop the pigs were eating. Nobody gave him anything. So, he had this moment of self-reflection. What am I doing here? Back home, my father's hired servants have plenty of food. Why am I here, starving to death? I'll get up and return to my father, and I'll say, Father, I have done wrong, wrong against God and against you. I forfeited any right to be treated like your son, but I'm wondering if you treat me as one of your hired servants? so he got up and returned to his father. The father looked off in the distance and saw the young man returning. He felt compassion for his son and ran out to him, enfolded him in an embrace and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have done a terrible wrong in God's sight and in your sight too. I have forfeited any right to be treated as your son. But the father turned to his servants and said, Quick, bring the best robe we have and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Go get the fattest calf and butcher it. Let's have a feast and celebrate because my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they had this huge party. Now the man's older son was still out in the fields working. He came home at the end of the day and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant said, your brother has returned and your father has butchered the fattest calf to celebrate his safe return. The older brother got really angry and refused to come inside. So his father came out and pleaded with him to join the celebration, but he argued back "'Listen, all these years I've worked hard for you. "'I've never disobeyed one of your orders, "'but how many times have you even given me a little goat "'to roast for a party with my friends? "'Not once. This is not fair. "'So this son of yours comes, "'this wasteful delinquent "'who has spent your hard-earned wealth on loose women, "'and what do you do? "'You butcher the fattest calf from our herd.' "'The father replied, My son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. Isn't it right to join in the celebration and be happy? This is your brother we're talking about. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found again. Psalm 81. For the Worship Leader, a song of Asaph accompanied by the harp. God's covenant people celebrated many festivals honoring God and His provisions. Poets composed songs specifically for use on feast days. Psalm 81 is one of those. It was written to celebrate the festival of booths. God commanded his people to celebrate this festival every year so they would remember how God provided for them as they moved toward the promised land. A portion of this psalm would have been sung by the lead musician as if he were speaking for God. In the annual rhythm of festivals and praise, God is reminding the people of all He has done for them and of their past disobedience in spite of His love. He is also calling His people to renew their commitment to Him, a reasonable request on a holiday honoring Him. Sing with joy to God, our strength, our fortress. Raise your voices to the true God of Jacob. Sing and strike up a melody. Sound the tambourine. Strum the sweet lyre and the harp. Blow the trumpet to announce the new moon, the full moon, the day of our feast. For this is prescribed for Israel, a rule ordained by the true God of Jacob, a precept established by God and Joseph during his journey in Egypt. I hear it said in a language foreign to me. I removed the burden from your shoulders. I removed heavy baskets from your hands. You cried out to me. I heard your distress and I delivered you. I answered you from the secret place where clouds of thunder roll. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. O oh, my people, hear me. I will rebuke you. Israel, Israel, if you would only listen to me. Do not surround yourselves with other gods or bow down to strange gods. I am the eternal, your true God. I liberated you from slavery, led you out from the land of Egypt. If you open your mouth wide, I will fill it. But my own people did not hear my voice. Israel refused to obey me, so I freed them to follow their hard hearts to do what they thought was best. If only my people would hear my voice and Israel would follow my direction, then I would not hesitate to humble their enemies and defeat their opposition myself. Those who hate the Eternal will cower in His presence. Pretending to submit, they secretly loathe Him, yet their doom is forever. But you, I will feed you the best wheat and satisfy you with honey out of the rock. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise child is attentive to his parents' instruction, but the mocker is deaf to correction. So I just want to say one quick thing. I said in a recent episode that I was Martha when we came across that story where Jesus was visiting with her, Mary, and Lazarus. And I said that because Martha was completely consumed with so many things and her heart was right. Her heart was in a good place. She was absolutely focused on serving Jesus and making sure everything was perfect for his visit. But Jesus told her that she was upset and worried about too many things. She was distracted. In all her busyness, she was about to miss the best part. Simply sitting at his feet, and listening to his words. And I feel compelled to urge you today to not miss the best part. There is so much here in the word for us, so many facets to fall in love with. The wisdom it imparts, the history it reveals, the power it exudes, the connections it draws between past and future and present, the poetry and prose that flow from its pages, the profound depth of its theology, the myriad layers of meaning it contains, the revelations it imparts, the sophisticated use of symbols, the vastness of the narrative, and the sheer breadth of imagination it displays. The Bible is a living, active experience, pulsing with energy and movement, brought to life by the same God who created us. It is, how can I put this? A magnificent tapestry woven together from countless threads telling a textured, complex story that combines divinity and humanity in a masterpiece of unparalleled beauty. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word and for your work in our lives. Thank you for giving us the Bible, the most amazing book ever written. Lord, help us to really appreciate its beauty and its power, to treasure it, to cherish it, its wisdom and its wonder, its truth and its grace. Help us to not miss the best part, which is to know you and to love you, Help us to sit at your feet and listen to your voice, to learn from you and to follow you. Help us to see you in every page and every story and every promise and every prophecy, in every command and every blessing. Lord, help us to treasure your word in our hearts and not keep it there, Lord. Help us to share it with others. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And our affirmation for today, rooted, resilient, ready. And our aphorism, life is not a dress rehearsal. So don't miss out on the best part by being absent from your own show. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being here with me. May your perspective be illuminated and your path made clear as you go forth on this journey that we call life. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you and I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.